What's up, guys? This week on the pod, we got Cola Boy. We're going to go through uh, his story of getting into punk rock and then uh, turning it into a real special musical act out of Oxnard. Um, if you're not familiar with Cola Boy, um, his roots are in punk, but uh, now he plays like it's like a modern disco R&B style. So look it up on Spotify. It's fucking awesome. Or check out the, uh, the Patreon pod that I'll post tomorrow. And uh, if you would like to support the podcast, please like, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, please share it with your friends. Uh, please repost it on social media. And uh, please just give it a like and uh, leave a quick review wherever uh, you listen. That really helps and goes a long way. If you'd like to go the extra mile, please go to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. And you can become a monthly supporter of the show. Um, these are the people that keep the show alive. Um, you know, it's the reason why I was able to come up to Austin this weekend and, and get an Airbnb and, uh, you know, interview people like Scott Vogel, Cola Boy, do the, the Joe and Stu talking Nardcores and, uh, and all that. So much love to the patrons. That's patreon.com slash 185 miles south. Let's get on with the show, man. It's time for some fucking Cola Boy. Hundred eighty-five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. All right, this week we got uh, Matthew Arango. Yeah, Arango. Arango. Yeah. Ah, uh, perdona me, mi español es mierda. But uh, AKA motherfucking cola boy. That's right. What's up? What's up, Zach? How What's going on? So happy to have you, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm I think that uh Oxnard is a special place because I don't think that there's too much of like hate or like jealousy, at least in our generations, right? You're you're thirty? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm forty. I mean, I, I just root for everyone's success. Yeah, yeah, same here. Yeah. You know, like uh Anderson Pac blew up and it was like Fuck yeah. And then, like, yeah. see Cola Boys putting out a record. I'm like, fuck yeah. And then, like, all the new, like, punk rock shit. Yeah. It's like firing. It's like, fuck yeah. Like, Dead Heat comes out. They start blowing up. Mm-hmm. I'm like, woo. Like, I don't want to be the best. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I want everyone to be the best. Definitely. And, you know, what is it? Like, a high tide rises all boats or whatever? Like, I've never heard that one. That's a good, that's a good phrase. Yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I think because we're not like, uh, we're not like a tier one city, you know, that we got to like root for everyone to do good. Yeah. Yeah. That's you how know? it should be. I think, you know? Yeah, for sure. Do, um, have you always been into music like your whole life? Yeah. Um, kind of when I was really little, I mean, I didn't play an instrument till I was like probably in seventh grade. I picked up guitar. Mm-hmm. I tried playing drums when I was a kid for like a year. I, was learning drums on like a little kid set. Yeah. Uh, and I always kind of wanted to sing and do shit, but like I was never, uh, I wasn't the best. I wasn't super nat- like natural at it, you know, but I had a little bit of uh, ability when I was young, but it didn't take it serious till junior high. Yeah. What, what about just being a, a fan of it? Did you find oh, yourself being like, a, like 
you know, kids have lots of different interests, but like, you know, since I was in fourth grade, like music was like my shit, whether it was like Motley Crue or whatever you like, it yeah. was like, I was all the way into it. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I was the same. Uh, when I was a really young, I just, I actually really liked a lot of like terrible music when I was little, uh-huh. you know, like a lot of the like nineties, like pop music, you know, mm-hmm. specifically too, like stuff like Lil Bow Wow, you know, sure. that, Cause I, I really liked it. I really I saw that it was other little kids making music or kids making music. So I was like, I uh, I, I was into that, and I even did like I did a talent show in like the fifth grade. Uh huh. And I uh, and I did a I like lip synced a little a little bow wow song. Yeah, that's sick though. Yeah. I mean, he's showing you can do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, and there is something infectious about the music. Yeah, yeah. And even like, you remember this group? Oh, it's pretty bad. Hanson? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. I was about that. I was really about that. Yeah, that's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, that, that shit is fucking funny. Can you imagine like being the Hanson brother that brought that to practice? You know, like, all right, dude, here, I'm going to go umbop, and you're going to go shuba doopa umbop, and you're going to go, what do umbop. That must, I wonder, now I wonder which one it was that did it. It had to be the drummer. He had all the talent. The yeah, little guy. Yeah, I feel like, I hope that's who it was. <laughs> I hope so, too. Yeah. That that kid was fucking young. Yeah. He, he had to be like nine or yeah, something. Yeah, ripping on the drums. Yeah. That was dope. I know. That'd be, that'd be weird to be like the oldest one. Like, you yeah. know, you know your parents are like pressuring you to stay in the band. It's like. Mom, I want to go hang out with girls. Like, <laughs> shut up and practice your guitar, boy. I th- yeah, I think the kids were like, I think that band was like Mormon, too. Okay. So they probably came from a, maybe a strict family. Probably, huh? Their discipline. That's probably why they were so good at uh, at their instruments, you know? Yeah, because it was just three brothers. It's wild. You know, it's funny. I had mentioned the talent show thing uh, where I did a little Bow Wow song. The same talent show. I think it was the same talent show. Smurf from Dead Heat uh-huh. did a Linkin Park song. <laughs> oh, you like, put on blast, folks. <laughs> <laughs> I had to. That was actually like <clears throat> that's less embarrassing. I think mine's more embarrassing. Like Lincoln Park, like everybody has like kind re- of kind of respect them. They're like they have some songs that from back in the day that were like pretty. For me, I mean, I was a kid. I wasn't in a punk and anything like that yeah. yet. So like to me, it was like that early. Like for me, it was like alternative when I was like sure fifth grade. So it was cool. So They're, my generation, we kind of everybody has respect for that. Okay, Lincoln Park. They you know? they were like. Uh, one of the bands where people will be like, well, they're the best of the worst. You know, they're not Limp Bizkit, at least. Yeah. You know? They definitely uh, surpassed <clears throat> Limp Bizkit on that one. You know, when I was in fifth or sixth grade, I had an embarrassing talent show, too. I think uh, I did, like, we did it for, like, fucking maybe Earth Day or something. Mm-hmm. And I did, like, a We Will Rock You rap with, like, about saving the Earth. Wow. You wrote it yourself? (laughs) Yeah. That's dope. It was like, it was so bad, dude. It was like, save the earth. But then I did like the rap. I wish I could remember the words. Did you have a beat behind it? I was like playing like the instrument. Like you used to buy like, um, you'd buy like the CD single. Mm -hmm. And then it would, it's kind of like buying hip hop singles now. You know, it's like they got the. The normal, then they got the acapella, and then they got the, mm, yeah. the instrumental. Or like the clean version, the explicit version, <laughs> yeah. and the instrumental. Yeah. That's dope. <clears throat> I know. Clean version, man. That's something you don't you don't think about that much anymore. Because yeah, I don't got to worry about it when you're when we're adults. It's like, <laughs> I know, I know. when I was a kid, like, for me, my mom was pretty, like, uh, kind of strict. Not strict on, like, me listening to music with, like, bad words and shit, but, like, 
she cared. She's, you know, she was more like, I don't like that shit, you know? Yeah. But my dad didn't care. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of, like, sneak stuff. And, like, yeah. when my dad would buy me CDs with, like, with, like, bad words on them and shit or, like, explicit CDs, you know? Like, hip-hop shit. So. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I worked at Laser Star, when, like, there was a night manager there, he'd let me play any uh, CDs I wanted as long as there's no bad words. Mm-hmm. And I only had two that didn't have <laughs> bad words. One was, like, a Shelter CD, and then the other one was the censored version of Warren G. What? You know? Yeah. Wait, why did you have a censored version of Be- Warren G? Because my friend Posy Josh gave it to me. He's like, I don't like the CD. Here, you have it. And I was like, it was better than not having Regulate. That's true. <laughs> you know? It's like... That's very true. You know, I'm not going to buy it again. Yeah. So there wasn't that much cussing on it, you know? It's like... It's yeah, a pretty soulful true. record, mm-hmm. you know? I, I still love that record. And um, I think the editing, like, this is random, but I think the editing back then for, like, clean versions was a lot more, like, uh, they fo- they paid a lot more attention than now. Like, nowadays, like, when you hear a rap song that's, like, edited be clean, it's so lazy. It's just, like, the most ugly, like, like they yeah. drop down and it sounds like <clears throat> shit completely. Well, I think you would be disappointed by this because I think that it was just, like, a blank like you would just you'd be missing a word. I prefer that honestly <clears throat> than like the than the scratch. Than the, yeah, yeah, it's almost like when you turn the record to like a turntable off. Yeah, it's just like, but it's offbeat completely. I know, I know, it's bad. Especially like the radio stations, they do it a lot. Like, yeah, they don't really try anymore with that. It's kind of a yeah. I think when that the the newest Gangstar record like leaked before it came out, and I got it and was listening to it like that, and it was just like, I this is hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. The funny, I, I like it when they uh, when they edit it, records that are the clean versions and they actually change the word, like they'll change the phrase. It's, yeah, because sometimes it's actually pretty funny, like what they change the words to. Just yeah, like in badly dubbed movies where they say like <laughs> yeah. really funny shit. Yeah, I remember like watching uh, Crocodile Dundee, and there was like that scene. It's like he's eating an alligator, and it's like it's okay to live on, but it tastes like shit. Mm-hmm. And then on like we didn't watch it on like Saturday afternoon. It's all it's okay to live on, but it tastes like dung. <laughs> it was like <laughs> or like oh. tastes like stuff. <clears throat> yeah, like. stuff. You know? Yeah. I mean, to change the sensitive version like that actually like adds a layer of creativity. And yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. it's better. It's like when you hear like a good clean joke, you're like, oh, that was actually okay. really intelligent. Yeah. You didn't need to. You didn't need to cuss. Yeah. To make it funny. Yeah, because it's easy to like punch line on something dirty, right? Oh yeah. You know. A big old pussy. Yeah, yeah. It was like, oh, mm-hmm. that's, that's nasty, though. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, it's. But at the same time, curse words are they're funny. No, I know they're still funny. <clears throat> and like, and uh, also, like it, it helps with like rhythmically, right? Yeah, like, certain words just have certain inflections. Like the f word, like come on, you can't not use that. Like fuck, like it has a good inflection. I mean, I mean, but it's just not over. I think words in general, just like whether it's like curse words or not like uh we tend to have a lot of filler words that we use so it's actually good not to to try to take those filler words out of like when we talk or even when we write lyrics or like sing or do whatever like i think reducing the amount of filler words whether it's cussing or not is good it's a good practice yeah i really have a lot of respect for people when you listen to them talk and they have like a good economy of words Mm -hmm. like they're not like blabbering yeah you know i mean this is this uh medium right here doing the podcasting stuff is is brutal for like your self-reflection of how you talk oh yeah like um i'm definitely not gonna listen to this <laughs> after because I, <laughs> I i don't watch videos of myself or anything either i'm really self-conscious kind uh-huh. of like still working on that i guess but mm-hmm. like yeah uh, 
But how about when you're like editing video? You have to watch it then, right? You just don't watch yeah. the final product? I, oh, I have to watch it because <clears throat> I don't want it to look like some shit that I don't like, you know? So Absolutely. I'll put myself through that. But as far as like live performances and things mm. like that, like me, like I realize that like, I guess certain ways I move, I guess it probably is because of my disability that like I, I am self, I get self-conscious if I see a video and it's like, cause when you're yourself and you're just walking around doing whatever, you don't really, you're not seeing yourself move around, sure. you know? And so when you see it on video, it's like, wow, I really like that. Like what the fuck? You know? Like, yeah. But everyone, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that's uh, exclusive to you and having a disability. I think yeah. everyone feels like mm-hmm. they look stupid yeah, when they yeah. see themselves. I agree. You know, like, you know, whether you think you're fucking too, like fat or you just move weird mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck. Ever. Certain angle. Or yeah. Whatever, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, do you feel like you have a good side? Yeah. Me too. <laughs> like, I feel like if, I, if I'm if i like, get me on this side. Yeah. You know, yeah definitely. I'm like, side. oh, fuck. Like, or like sometimes <laughs> for me, it's funny, like. Sometimes people, I'll see like photos from like a live show mm-hmm. and it'll be from like people who are like professional photographers okay. supposed to be. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, the, the sh- I look like shit and I'm just like, yo, like how the fuck out of all the pictures, this is the, and it's like, for me, it's like, I see myself as this, in this way, like, oh, I don't like how I look. Yeah. But then they, they post it anyway. So in their head, maybe they're just like, oh, you look fine, but it's just. And it, maybe it's all in my in my head and shit. But well, it's hard to know what they're going for, right? Because like that's their art. Yeah. So yeah. like their art isn't to make you look good; it's to capture whatever they're looking for. Yeah, and, that's very true. Yeah, and who knows what that is? Like they could just be a fucking asshole. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I want to make <laughs> I want to make every fucking pretty looking person look stupid. Yeah, like I want to make this guy look like shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, I guess I just now I just more like I just let go. You know, I just don't even. Try not to let any of that, like, bother me. Just focus on what I'm doing and not, like, yeah, not get stuck on things, you know? Well, that's music, and that, that plays into, like, how punk is, too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you you can you can kind of tell when someone's, like, a little too choreographed, and you're like, ah, that, that doesn't seem authentic. Yeah. And I think kind of dance is, is like that, too. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, you, you feel it. And yeah, so it's definitely. like it comes through, like, sincere, mm-hmm. you know? I, I agree. Yeah. Um, so you start playing guitar in seventh grade mm-hmm. and are you already into punk or what are you playing along to? Like, um, you're not playing Lincoln Park. It's too complex. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was like, I, I think I picked up guitar and I was playing like this, the shit that like everybody plays when they first play guitar, you know, like Black Sabbath, sure. uh, ACDC, uh-huh. all that type of shit, you know? Yeah. And, uh, no, but I got into punk like. The next year. Okay. Eighth grade. And how did, how did that come across your plate? Well, I guess I was already introduced to punk without really under- knowing before from, like, the Tony Hawk video games and stuff. Sure. And, of course, like, classic. Yeah. And, um, but in eighth grade, a friend of mine named Kaylee, Kaylee Gish, she showed me, like, the Ramones. Uh-huh. And the Sex Pistols, I think. Yeah. The two, like, you know, of course, like, f- from the start, like, standard punk stuff like she showed me that and the Ramones specifically like that was like uh, I don't know they really it really got me it was like an anthology or like loud fast Ramones it's like a compilation of all their songs yeah their hits yeah and that from there on I was like yo this is the shit right here well that's the shit to play guitar to yeah when you're starting oh yeah definitely you know so easy yeah and it was cool too I think uh, 
Shout out Bedge. I think he's the one that told me like when you used to play that cassette in your car, you know, you had the little knob that you could like pan right or pan left on your speakers. It's all bass in one speaker and all guitar on one side. Wow. Yeah, so it's fucked up. Like when if you had a boombox and one of your speakers blown, like you're listening to no guitar or no bass. Damn. It's so fucked up. That kinda makes it cooler. Though, huh? <clears throat> yeah, I mean that like I mean that is a thing in the studio, yeah, like how panning, yeah. I, I don't know the phrase, but how like out or in you want yeah, to it's be. Like panning. Yeah, yeah, panning. Yeah. Yeah. So do you start like discovering that there's local bands? Through your friend? Yeah. Um, actually, around that time, that was eighth grade. I went to Fremont. Mm-hmm. Uh, so e- EO Green represent. Oh, shit. <laughs> you know what's funny? Because when I went to, when I was in junior high, it, it to me, it felt like all, I find out later about all these junior high schools and like, but in the moment I didn't, it was like as if they didn't exist. It was like Fremont was the one only like, <laughs> junior high on the fucking planet. I think know? that there was only two back then when I was going. Damn. Yeah. There was no Fremont's been there since. I know Fremont would be the second. Okay. Yeah, you agree in Fremont, mm-hmm. and no Blackstock. Okay. Blackstock is a elementary yeah. or a it's junior like high. Sixth through eighth grade, I think. Okay, so then those three, I think, were the normal ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there was other punks at my school, uh, and they were super nice to me. You know, like I used to get bullied a lot when I was young, so like the punks were always pretty like uh, right away they were super welcoming and nice to me. So. I think that probably added to it. Yeah, if you're already kind of liking it and then, like, the people are nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, they were inviting me. They were showing me, like, local stuff. Like, it repeat was the first one that I heard. Yeah. The first local, uh, like, Nardcore band. It doesn't matter, like, what age you are. They're going to be the first. Yeah. Like, I bet you they were the first for Civil Conflict, too, you know? Probably, huh? Yeah. And then, like, yeah, I think it was a song, Oxnard. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, for one, I was like, holy shit, this, like... This sounds crazy. Yeah. Then I was thinking, damn, they're talking about Oxnard, you know. Yeah. That those two things, I and and it was, this is before this was like, two thousand and three maybe, okay. so like this is I think my Zanga was a thing like a blog blog okay. or a thing, face my MySpace was like not was just about to start but not yet. So like the access to seeing like what was where this what this was and like was pretty limited to like Google and then there was like an old Nardcore like it repeat website back in the day. Mm-hmm. So just from there looking at like the websites and like seeing like images of shows and stuff, I was like, oh my god, this is crazy. Yeah, I mean that's pre high speed internet for most people because I remember I didn't get high speed internet till '06 I think. Yeah. Because I remember I was living in North Hollywood in '03. And I still had like dial up because mm. like one time I wanted to like get Freebird, you know, I downloaded it. Like I want to get the song. It's like yeah. an eight minute song. It took like six hours or Holy some shit, shit, you know. Was that like on like Napster or something? <clears throat> I can't even remember. Like, yeah, like LimeWire Lime or Wire Napster or something. Shit, yeah. Allegedly. Mm. I never downloaded anything <laughs> illegally. Well, but, yeah, like. Um... Yeah, so you're finding like a little tidbits of this stuff. Yeah. And getting a little bit of information for your friends. And, like, Dr. No, I think, was a second. Or Aggression. Yeah. Uh, you know. And uh, but I, and and they would always invite me. My friends would always invite me to shows, but I was never able. My mom was like, nah, you're not going out yeah. with these people I don't know. Like, yeah. hell no. So I didn't really go to shows f- till I got to high school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then did anyone stand out? Do you remember who you would see and like? 
as far as like shows. Yeah. Uh, early on, well, the first show I ever went to, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure the first show I ever went to was a Battle of the Bands at Oxford High School. Nice. And it was Take Your Best Shot. Okay. And Total Resistance and awesome. like California Redemption. Yeah. It was, uh, and I remember, I was, I was probably like fourteen or fifteen. Mm-hmm. And there was dudes there that I went to, like Take Your Best Shot had Vince Amador. Cool. Patrick Bustillos, who I knew already, I knew both of them already. I, Patrick, I didn't know personally, but just from around, he went to my junior high. Yeah, and Vince, I knew personally from school. Uh, so seeing dudes that I knew, like on the stage, ripping a ripping a set, and like I got euphoria because there were so many fucking people there at the show. I mean, if I I guess now if I saw it, it probably was like. 70 people but in the moment it felt like thousand people yeah and like a, a circle pit that looked like 200 people yeah like and i was really i'm i'm still small but i was really little so like there was still there was, it was at a high school so there was like actual jocks there too you yeah. know like dudes in like the pit like like buff ass foods like going around and like and this was and so i was like i actually had euphoria like i felt like uh like shit slowed down yeah and i was like holy shit this is amazing and, and scary as fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what a lot of people talk about, like, in the first show they go to, like, when they see, like, a big pit break out. It's like, it's it slows down and it's like, it's almost like tribal, you know? And it's like, oh, this is, there's something to this. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a, there's a method to the madness, mm-hmm. you know? I would say that was the only time I ever felt that. Was yeah. That first, first time seeing it. Yeah. And it, this is what's, Funny thing I remember, they don't people don't do this anymore. But like the dudes that were like slam dancing and like floor punching and shit were wearing. They everybody would wear bandanas over their face. <laughs> this was like a trend at that time. <clears throat> it was like a year long trend. <laughs> yeah, it was like they were like I remember seeing like in the lobby of the gymnasium, dudes like putting on bandanas over their faces and then going to like floor punch and shit. It was really weird, but like. Uh, I think they went to like Warp Tour one year, and you had to do that because, like, you when you're when you're slamming in the dirt, oh, you know, okay, yeah. maybe that was a, maybe yeah. that's a thing. It was because yeah, I didn't see that from I saw that like for like a one year, yeah, and then I never saw that again. It's I mean yeah, it, you know, weird fashions flow mm-hmm. through, and a lot of like suburban white kids like want to dress tougher, like like gang type gang yeah, type shit. Yeah, it looked pretty cool. I mean, when I was fifteen, I was like. Damn, this shit looks hard. Well, if you're 15, like, anything some 18-year-old's doing looks cool. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's weird, like, how the age gap, like, widens. Yeah. And now when we think about 18-year-olds as, like, fucking kids, like, young. Yes. That's crazy. I felt I was, like, I thought I was a fucking, I knew knew everything when I was 18. Yeah. No, I know. I, I talk about that sometimes on the pod that, like, the most washed up I ever was in my life is when I was 24. Like at like the end of in control, I was like so fucking bitter and just washed up and like a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And then like you kind of pull out of it and you're like, oh, like just be normal. Like yeah. you know, like I don't know. You kind of find that music is like a passion that you're gonna do forever. Yeah, you know, where like when you're in the thick of it and you're not like really succeeding, it can really like beat you down. Yeah, you know? I I I I agree. Going at it for so long and feeling like, but at the same time, the part of you is like, well, I don't do this to be like uh, successful. Sure. But then there's another part of you that's like, well, it would be nice to like, you know, have yeah. some like 
some some wins here, you know, and some like some some bigger some bigger steps. Yeah. But it's not I don't know, it's weird. For me, like uh I don't know. I'm still like new to the, my music career right now. Yeah. But like I don't value it so much over like what I the years I spent before this, you know, sure. seeing or doing like stuff with this I used to be in this band called Sea Lions, mm-hmm. indie pop band. Uh, all those years I cherish, and I think I like uh, those were a lot of those years were a lot more like uh, genuine and like uh, real to me than uh, certain things I experience now. You know. Well, let's go through it. So, see, so start going to shows, mm-hmm. and then how do you get motivated to want to do your own band? Um, it takes a while. It's funny because I was playing guitar in high school. I I had a guitar class, you know. And I think I always had this urge to like want to perform. I mean, I did the talent show when I was a kid. Sure. My grandmother was a lounge singer in the old days. Nice. So she would always like sing around the house when I was at her place and stuff. So I had it in me, but... Um, did she ever record? No. You know, she passed away when I was 14. And yeah. I'm so angry because like when I was 14 is when I really started like focusing on guitar more and like taking music a little more serious. Well, like not so serious, but... It was the beginning, I guess. You, you know? started respecting the craft. Yeah. and uh, But she passed away before I could even, like, really have a grasp on, like, the fact... Uh, a grasp on the reality of what she did and having the, like, the maturity in myself and the discipline to, like, care and ask her, like, what it was like and stuff, you know? Sure. So I regret that. I always regret that. Um, but I was young, like, what can I do? Yeah. But there's no recordings of her, no. She was, like... I don't know much other than she toured around the u.s like and doing yeah, like black playing gigs. black clubs and stuff you okay. know like lounge scene but even my dad it's his mom it was she was his mom he doesn't know much either so yeah well it was probably when she was pretty young yeah, yeah. right <clears throat> but um yeah so i was in high school playing guitar at guitar class Shout out to Mr. Wingland, Pacifica okay. High School. Oh, yeah. We were terrible to him, but mm-hmm. he was like kind of a, you know, I don't know if you had guitar when you were in class when you were in high school. Nah. The guitar teachers are just as nuts as the fucking kids are, you know? Yeah. I uh, wish we had guitar in high school. It was pretty dope. Like, honestly, we didn't do shit. We, like, I, we were, he tried to teach us, and then, like, uh, we were not, we were bad. We were pretty bad, you know? Yeah. I think I smoked weed the first time ever in his class. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I was in guitar class in high school, you know, and I was, but I was hang, hanging out with the punks. Mm-hmm. I was a punk, you know, at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my friends, when I was like 16, my friends started a band, like four or five of these who started a band. And I was the only one that was like, they didn't ask to be in the band. Ah. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Like, this is bullshit. But yeah. uh, I think that was in the back of my head that I was upset about it, but at the time, I was just like, cool, hell yeah, you guys do your thing. Yeah. Um. So, but so it wasn't for me, it was, I didn't start playing in a band till I was 17. Okay. And then what was your first band? It was called uh, FBA. Okay. Yeah. Standing for? I don't want to say. Oh. It's pretty offensive. Okay. No, I don't care, whatever. It was standing for full-blown AIDS. Yeah. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was like... um. Yeah, we were 17, and it's it's a pretty offensive name, but I mean, like... But that's the point. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. When you're a punk and stuff, and you're like... It was kind of like a thrashcore band more than a punk band. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, 
I started that band with a dude named Juan. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it was fun. That was our. We start. We used to play a lot with a uh, ex Malcolm X. You know, mm-hmm. Steve's, Steve's, Steve's first band. band. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that's an offensive ass show, huh? Yeah, ex <laughs> Malcolm X is a clever name though. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, we played for. We did some shows in L.A. and stuff. Mm-hmm. That was my first like actual band, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I wrote me and the drummer. The drummer was a singer. Okay. And he wrote, we wrote together. So you songs. you were a songwriter? Yeah. We ch- shared songwriting definitely a lot. And that, I was in that band for like only like two years. It felt like I was in it for 10 years. Because when you're young, two years seems like so forever. long. Yeah. So long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so 17 to 19, you think? Yeah. Yeah. Those are long ass years. Mm-hmm. Now they go. Yeah. Like this is scary. But uh, so after that band, what do you do? Um, I was in that band for a couple years. Around this, a year into that band, I started playing in an indie pop band called Sea Lions okay. with a close friend of mine, Adrian Pilato, uh, who was a guy I knew around from, he went to my school for a couple of years and I knew him from around the scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in bands like, before I was even going to punk shows, like he was, he's a couple of years older than me. So he was always like a guy that was into like grindcore and like thrash and black metal and stuff when we were in high school, like. He had really like a taste that was kind of like yeah on the fringe yeah yeah so uh, we knew each other from around but not super close anyway I saw his band play like when I was eighteen on Halloween mm-hmm. at the Kenji Shack you okay. remember, you yeah. remember the Kenji yeah, yeah, yeah. Shack yeah shout out Kenji shout out Kenji um, I saw Sea Lions play and they didn't have a bass player so I just hit them up like yo like uh, yo why don't you have a bass player mm-hmm. and they're like you want to play and I was like yeah I'm down. So I went, and he was like, yo, you're going to play guitar, uh, not bass. I was like, okay. And then from there, I was 18, and I played in that band till I was like 26. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Did you guys do records? Yeah, we had one record uh, LP out uh, on this label called Slumberland Records. Okay. From out of Oakland. It's like an indie pop label. But yeah, so around when I was 18, I was in FBA and Sea Lions. Okay. Stayed in Sea Lions for a few years. Um, when I was 19, or 17 to 19. 19, I left full-blown AIDS. Uh, and, but wanted to start a new band, like mm-hmm. a punk band. You yeah. Because I was in this point where I was like living in two worlds in a way, you know? Yeah, the indie world and the punk world? Yeah. Yeah. The indie pop world, I was going to LA a lot. Because there were, at the time, there was a kind of a big scene out there. For that, so I was like 18 year old kid from Oxford going to LA, you know, and doing all these uh, shows and shit. But then I was still in the punk scene in Oxnard. Yeah, you know, so it was kind of dope. Like, uh, it was definitely like when I was in the indie pop world, people saw me as like, oh, this guy's wearing like a rudimentary peanut shirt. Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, so I was like seen as a little rough around the edges there. Uh-huh. And then in the punk scene, it was kind of like. You're a weenie, you know, you're in this weak ass band, like you guys just like, you know, back then it was like if you were into into indie music, you were they would call you gay and shit like okay. that, you know. So I was kinda like dealing with these two worlds. And uh I started a band called uh El Mariachi. Okay. When I was like twenty with uh, uh my friend Raul Villalobos. Okay. 
and it was a power violence band. Mm-hmm. Well, that'll show them. Yeah. Yeah, take it to <laughs> the guys, extreme. You yeah. guys think yeah. I'm soft. You think I'm soft? <laughs> this literally the genre is called power violence. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we started playing for a while. Um, and it was really fun. Yeah, did uh, that band record? Yeah, we, we at first we recorded like a shitty demo, like three songs in my... I I don't even remember how we recorded the first demo. I don't remember. Maybe like my friend Kellen, Kellen Hancock, might have. So he was there. No, because he was in the band later. Okay. Sorry, I'm getting. You know what? Over the years, like your memory starts. It's hard, dude. Yeah. So yeah, at first it was just a two piece. Me and uh, my friend Raul. Yeah. Uh, but then eventually we needed a bass player, so we had this guy Jake join the band, but he was in there. Only for a little bit, he had like some drug problems and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, we uh, let go of him, and then we brought in Kellen Hancock on bass, and he was like, "Yo, I know uh, this guy Nick Omer, yeah. you know." And of course, we all know Nick Omer from Heavy Artillery. Yeah. For us, that's where we knew him from. Like, uh-huh. that's like my youth. Like seeing those fools play. They played too many shows. I used to say, like, <laughs> we used to always say they're playing every weekend back then. Like, yeah. Um, but of course he stood out. I mean, he looked like John Lennon, you know, like, uh, and he like ripped on the guitar. Yeah. So the idea of having him in the band was like, to me as a 19 or 20 year old, I was like, it was like having a celebrity in the band. Sure. You know? So I was like, oh, hell yeah. So he joined and we were a band for like, like three years. Okay. Did you do a record? We didn't do a record. We recorded like, uh, we did a demo, and then we were on two compilations. Oh, cool. We are on a compilation, some, like, grindcore Power Bands compilation that actually got pressed on a 7-inch. Um, but it was one of those weak-ass things. Not weak. I guess that's fine. Like, every band put in, like, 40 bucks or 50 bucks to yeah. be on it. That actually, I don't think that's an issue. That's pretty dope. No, as long as you get records. Yeah, we. I think we did. Yeah, we did. We got, like, a box of them. Yeah, so that's totally fair. Yeah. They're just helping get the money put up yeah yeah yeah. it's hard you know because <clears throat> i'm just i'm doing the hardcore comp right now mm-hmm. and yeah it's a lot of opinions you know to try to <laughs> 25 bands oh, it's like rough fuck. you know that's so, tough yeah and it's just like dude there's there's no fucking money like yeah. how how many ways you want to split it yeah you know it's like people are asking for money there was one band that was like asking a shit ton of questions so yep i had to boot them so but, uh, it's easier to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, just doing the napkin math, it's like, okay, if, if he sells all of them at, like, you know, a distro price, it's like, what is there, $1,000 profit in, yeah. like, in, like, a run of 500 And so, what, you got 25 bands, so you got 100 members, you want to have everyone get paid 10 bucks, or do you want to have someone actually make a nut, <laughs> Yeah, you know, and maybe keep putting out records, like, come on, you fucking freaks. Yeah, that's fucked up. So, I mean, comps are exposure. Yeah. So you just want to be able to have have them and you know this you get is, to be on one, like Yeah, and this is about it's about documenting a scene. Yeah. Because last year NAR was firing harder than it's maybe ever fired. You know? Mm-hmm. It, all the, I mean this year is is following up nicely. Yeah. I mean if you think about it, it's like there was a show last night, there's a show tonight, there's and a show tomorrow tomorrow. night, there's a show on Sunday. Sunday. It's like four nights in a row. Yeah. That's fucking wild. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm really happy. I'm really happy to see the young, the young crowds too. Like, 
doing their thing. Like that's really inspiring to me. Yeah, and just putting on shows wherever. Yeah. You know, so cool. And and uh, kind of taking the approach that you were saying with heavy artillery that I never had the balls to do. I was always like very um, particular about like spreading out shows because I didn't want people to get burned out of my bands, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like Civil Conflict can play like three times a week. And people were always <laughs> going. Yeah, it's so rad. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I just think that that's like, it's a sick way to to approach things, mm -hmm. to like not worry about it and just want to get out there and rock. Yeah. You know, there's, there's something to be said for just doing it for the love. Definitely. Instead of being like calculating, like, yeah. well, we shouldn't play more than every once every five weeks mm -hmm. in the same area. Yeah. You know, or whatever. Yeah, I have to, that's what I have to do. I can't play as much as I get asked to play, you know, like, uh, I have like management and stuff now, so I have to like, uh, you know, be a little more sparse with when I play. Mm -hmm. But I think it's sometimes, for me, it's like, it makes it. For me, it makes it more special when I do get to play. Like, sure. Especially in Oxnard, you know, like. Sure. Um, but I do, like, it does, It does like, I do feel bad. I'm like, I do wish I could, like, do a show, like, anytime, like, at the, like, oh, yeah, I'll play your, like, your, your show in your backyard. Like, I don't, I'm down. Yeah. But, like, ultimately, like, uh, I can't, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, I'll go. I, I. I always go to like all these shows. Like yeah. I love, like, like I said, it's super inspiring to me, and like, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, it's something that I've always done going to shows. So I'm like, why would I not keep going? You know? Yeah, but your DJ doesn't live here, does he? Uh, well, I have a band in Europe. Okay. And I had a band in the U.S. Two different bands, like live bands. Okay. But that shit's mad expensive to pay like a whole band, you know? Yeah, to pay a bunch of hired guns. Yeah, yeah. So. So what was like what I saw? It was you and a, and a DJ. Yeah, dude. that's my homie Zilla. He's actually from Oxnard. Okay. Yeah. Sick. Um, sometimes I do it with a DJ. Sometimes I'll do a solo by myself. Mm -hmm. uh, on that trip, it was dope because I, I like. Uh, I mean, I got paid a little bit mm -hmm. on that tour, so I could like pay my homie, you know, like give him some money too, you know, and then also like have him there with me and having fun and enjoying it and like you know helping enhance my. Yeah, my show. So, it was dope. Yeah, but doing a whole band that's that's crazy. That is a lot. Yeah, and then I, well, yeah, it's a lot. But then once once we get the sh like, I just did a show in London, mm -hmm. and that was like it was hot. It was really good. Yeah, like uh, and then I just get reminded of how how having a live band is like takes it to the next level. You know. Yeah, a lot of like uh, like the last time I saw Nas, he had a live drummer. Wow, that was like it was pretty cool because he was like the. I don't know. He acted kind of like how the DJ does, like, you know, finishing some lines and stuff. But then uh -huh. on some songs, like, some songs he could just do, like, I don't know. He's adding a little bit of sizzle. Uh -huh. And then some he's playing, like, the drums. And mm -hmm. and there's nothing like live music, you know. I, mean, yeah. I think that seeing a lot of hip-hop live is is not the best, mm -hmm. you know. Or or just music that's, like, you're listening to a recording. Yeah. You know, there's something missing yeah. a little bit. The performer has to really give it to the audience if it's, like, you have to make up for it. That's what I do. I try to make up for, like, when I'm solo, if I don't have my band, like, I try to make up for it by, like, you know, being that much more, like, present, I guess, and, like, attentive to the crowd and being, like, you know, I don't know, I guess if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I the the one that always stood out that I thought, like, didn't suffer from it was uh, a moral technique. Okay. He was always, like, super good live because he, he was so engaging, mm -hmm. you know? It's kind of like what you're saying. Like, mm -hmm. you're... 
you just get more. You got to be more engaged if you don't have all the bells and whistles of a band. Yeah, yeah. So. And like, uh, yeah, if people are there to see you. You give them, give them you. You know. Yeah, that's all you could do, right? <laughs> and like, uh, like I did that show at the Performing Arts Center. Mm-hmm. When that was last year, that show was that shit popped off. It was dope. The with you and Civil Conflict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was like, that's when I was like really. I mean, I was really proud. I mean, I'm always proud to be from Oxnard, but that just like solidified it and reminded me just like, uh, I mean, it just reminded me of, the, I guess, the support that I have, like, uh, and that people actually like are super pumped on the music and like, uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I heard it was legendary. I wasn't there. Um, but I heard like when Civil Conflict played, it was like everyone in the pit, like grandmas and fucking everything. And oh, then yeah. like when you were, when you were playing, like, Everyone was dancing. Like, yeah. didn't matter who you were. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter if you know how to dance or not. Mm-hmm. You're just feeling it and rolling with it. Yeah, it was like it was really cool because uh, you know going to punk shows my whole like since I was young, and also going to like some local like rap shows or whatever, going to indie pop shows or whatever. Like uh, that show was like people from all different like scenes and shit. You know, yeah. like uh, all together in one place, different age ranges too, and like. That's what I love to see. You yeah, know? yeah. You want to see a mix. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like there was a time when I was in, probably in high school, where like the scenes were all super divided, super divided, and it really. I think, I guess, there's two things that like make it that it's not like that anymore. I think one is probably the internet, you know, like the access to music and yeah, like, everyone has everything. And yeah, and culture too is like kind of like it's more. It's a little more progressive. Things are a little more progressive now as far as, like, socially, like, you know. Uh, and I also think it has to do with, like, young the young kids in the scene, you know. They're from a ge- this new generation that doesn't give a fuck about, like, the labels of, like, oh, you're a punk or you're a hardcore kid or you're, like, goth. Or, or going into the super stuff, like, I'm a grindcore kid. Yeah, exactly. I'm in a death rock or, like... Yeah. All these like super subgenres. Yeah, and it's like even when there are kids who are like about that, they still it doesn't stop them from going to like a punk show or going to like a whatever you know. So that's really uh, it's, that's it, something I like to, that I'm yeah pumped on. Yeah, I think it's just everyone has access to everything now, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's like it not everything is as ex- exclusive as, you, as it used mm-hmm. to be. So, you know, you'd have your own clicks of these different scenes and it's because music was not as accessible. So like, and also you had to pay for everything. Like, so the, you have a finite amount of stuff you can afford and That's buy. That's so true. And yeah. then you're sharing in your group, you know, it's like, well, I'll get this tape and you get that tape and uh-huh. we'll tape them for each other and this and that. And you have these pockets and now everyone can just get a $9 Spotify account. That's true. Or whatever, and just have every recollection. So I can listen to, like, Joni Mitchell and then Slayer and then, yeah. you know, Amoebix and then, like, anything. So it's like there's no, there's no like, you and your boys, like, you got the lock on the grindcore. Mm. Because now I can I can find all the grindcore. Yeah. You, you literally know? just type in grindcore and, like, <laughs> you'll find it all. Ten best grindcore tracks. <laughs> and, like, there's a YouTube playlist. A compilation you know? and shit, yeah. yeah. So it's, nothing's as, as exclusive, and so I think that, you know, a lot of the subgenres of of punk, it is like elitist, you know, and like it's people trying to protect something and hold yeah. it to themselves. And now it's like anyone can listen to it and, yeah. and be like, 
I kind of like it too. Yeah. Like then you have something in common and, and the, the kids now it's like there may be a generation past of when everyone has had access to everything. So like labels don't fucking matter at all. Yeah, completely. You know, it's just liking what's good. Yeah. You know, it's, it's dope. I yeah. Think like I, I would say I'm probably guilty of being 16 and being like, no, you don't. This is my shit. You know, like, of course, but like, that doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the band. Who wants to bands want to build their audience? You yeah. know, it doesn't like doesn't do anything for the individual. What does it do for you to like hoard music? So I think it's yeah, it's it's a great thing. Yeah. So when do you start wanting to write like more infectious music and like like kind of what you're doing now? Well, so I was in Sea Lions primarily. And were you songwriting at all in that band? No, okay. Not at all. Uh, I just played guitar. Um, I played guitar on the on the LP. Mm-hmm. It was mostly stuff that was uh, written by the main singer songwriter. Okay. Um, so, but I was learning from him as he was doing his thing. I was watching and learning, you know, thinking like at one point I always thought like, okay, I was writing these punk songs, like thrash and uh, thrash core songs or whatever. But I thought writing a pop song, that's that's magic. I can. I thought at one point like. I can never do that, you yeah. know. Like, like this this person, you know, has the, the magic touch. Like, there's no way I could ever do that. And then at some point, I just said, you know, fuck it. I'm just gonna try. Yeah. Like, I'm not just gonna try. I'm just gonna try. I had my laptop at home, Audacity, this pro the mm-hmm. program, and that's like, what I use. Nice. And I just like started fucking around. Like, I downloaded like a cracked version of FL Studio. Okay. Just started you making like shitty drum drum patterns and then like writing songs like shitty ass songs on acoustic guitar yeah with like acoustic guitar that pitched down to sound like a bass okay really bass parts like really uh you know that's how it started and i kind of it was always kind of like really pop structured even the early stuff it was always like you know verse chorus verse bridge and it's still guitar music you're still playing a guitar at that point yeah it was still guitar bass Fake bass, I mean, mm-hmm. and then like drum machine and vocals. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and it was more like indie pop, post punky kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but with a very like infectious kind of style. I think still, yeah, like, aiming for that. So, when do you write like the first hook that you think is gold? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I was always like hyped on my own music. I think everybody yeah. is when they when they do their own music, you know, to a degree. Um, but I think there was a point where I just wanted to make like funky music, you know, like disco or like seventies pop type stuff. But I couldn't because I didn't have the like knowledge of like strong structure or chords or like like music instrument like ab- ability as like a musician. I didn't really or the production quality or anything or production know how or anything. Sure. So I was just trying to do where I was just like trying. Just like, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to fucking do it. And But with the main focus being whatever the song sounds like production-wise, at the core of it is like, a, I want to write a really good song mm-hmm. each time. Because that's how I feel. I feel like no matter what the production is like on a song, if it sounds like shit or if like it's like gold production, like dope shit, it doesn't matter if the song at the core of it is like a good song. Yeah. So... Yeah, my early, there's early songs from 
that were Cola Boy songs that aren't released that I think were like, I was like, oh, this is the, I That's like pretty this good. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. What year is that? This is probably 2015. Okay. So about five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I was going through, I was right about to be going through a breakup too. Mm-hmm. So I, once I broke up with my ex-girlfriend, I had a lot of time to myself, you know? Yeah. And you need to like project it somewhere semi-positive. Yeah, definitely. And stay busy. Yeah. And, and I think the couple years prior, like my early 20s, leading up to my mid-20s, again, I was in Sea Lions. We did some traveling and stuff, you know, we went to like Japan and London, uh, England and like, uh, so... I had a bit of like experience as far as touring and stuff mm-hmm. under my belt and kind of like learning, learning as I went along by watching others. Okay. So by the time I was 25, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to do this shit myself. You know, like yeah. I can do this shit. Like, uh, so I just tried and I started putting up the music on SoundCloud. Okay. And um, I did a, sh- a couple shows, performed solo. I had my friend who was from Sea Lions, my friend Adrian, do Drum Machine Live. Okay. I did like a, my friend's birthday party, <laughs> and like so he hooks in through the PA, and then you're hooked in in the PA. Or what are it you? It was doing? a crappy ass setup. It was like his drum machine. The drum machine threw like a bait, plugged into a bass amp. Okay, and then like my laptop. No, at that point I had a what are they called? A sampler, like a sampler okay. with my songs up. My demo. They were just demos at the time. Yeah, uploaded to it, and I would just like push the button you know yeah the sing, same thing so and like my sampler would be plugged into a guitar amp yeah. a twin reverb yeah <laughs> sounded like shit but it was it was what i it was all i had but okay so you, those first two shows can people tell there's something there are you getting good feedback yeah actually um there was like not much people at the shows but like people were really about it you know but the first one of the first shows we did was at my friend's my friend's uh, backyard. Okay. My friend Roman, who's the brother of Sias. Do you know Sias? I don't think so. Okay. Um, yeah, like uh, it was in El Rio. Shout out Sias, though. Shout out Sias. Let's be friends, man. Sias Gonzalez. Um, uh, it was in their backyard. I knew that it was dope or that I had something because Roman's parents were like, Yo, like, oh, wow, that was really, they really liked the the songs, you know? Yeah. We've been practicing with Sea Lions there for a few, couple years. Mm-hmm. And they, they were like, oh, they usually don't really talk to us about stuff. Uh, sometimes they'll say, oh, cool, sounds dope. like. It. But they were, like, all about it. And yeah. So, you know, when, like, the, the adults are about, the, are vibing it? Yeah. I think that's, like, a sign that when people your age and adults can kind of get into not adults i was an adult at the time but you know yeah older yeah. people older well generation. and you're, you're taking a stab at a at a style of music that's older too yeah i think like doing that and also adding some like contemporary vibe to it you know mm-hmm. some modernity to it and so i think from there and then i did a show in la small show and some dudes came up after and were like yo man that was awesome it reminds me of arthur russell which is like an artist that's a big influence of mine, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, that hyped me up. It's funny, that same show, oh, uh, this is a classic. So, like, I, I went to that show with my friend, Adrian, who played drum machine for me. I went with him, his girlfriend at the time, okay. and my other homie. And uh, I was we were performing, me and Adrian were performing. And my homie and my 
and Adrian's ex-girlfriend were standing together. And his ex-girlfriend's like, so what do you think of, like, uh, Matt's music to him? And uh, he's like, oh, it's fucking dope. Like, I support it 100%. Like, he's one of my homies. Like, of course he's going to say that. And he's like, what about you? She's like, I don't know. There's not really a market for this kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) And I, and like, that shit, like, drove me insane back then, you know? Of course. Because I was like, yo, market, like, what, for one, what the fuck do you know about a market? Yeah. Two, um, who gives a fuck? Yeah, and, and you're trying to walk before you run. Exactly. You're just trying to hone in a sound and play yeah. some shows. Exactly. You know? And the, and the nerve, I guess, I don't care now. Now I just laugh about it. But at the time, I was like, the nerve of somebody to, like, say this to the, my friend, like, not thinking that he would, like, yo... Yeah. Like, tell me some shit about that. Yeah, and also, like, the it's there's a lot of audacity to, like, assume how is, like, she's she's questioning the merit of it because there might not be mass appeal. Yeah. And it's like, well, have you ever just heard of art? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, like, music? Just think of music? Yeah, or any sort of expression. Like, yeah. You know, like, some girls, they, uh, they're really popular now. Like, they go to, like... Uh, those it's like an event where you just like paint and drink wine. Mm. It's like therapeutic for people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like oh yeah, my parents have been in that before. Yeah, and it's like they're not going to do anything with that art, but yeah. you can hang it on your wall. It's something you did. You created something. Yeah, you don't need to market it. You're not yeah. going to sell your art on Etsy. Yeah, you it's know, like I didn't. I didn't. We didn't invite her to that show so that she could like give us a fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> an evaluation. You know. Yeah. yeah. But I think it was just a funny moment where... But it gave you a little fire. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think at that point, yeah, I just kind of... I was going under a different name at the time, too. Okay, what were you going under? I was like... I called myself Vox, like V-O-X, mm-hmm. Disco. It's a horrible name. I think I just like the word Vox because Vox amps are cool and like it's a cool name. There was a and band called Vox Pop that was on Mystic Records. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember. Has a naked dude on the cover. Wow, like yeah. a real naked dude or drawn? Yeah, no, they're showing wow. like real, real, real penis. Jesus it's Christ! There. Yeah, that's crazy. I, I heard the name, but I never, uh, I never saw that cover. Yeah, it's it's like uh, it's dudes that are in some other band. I can't remember what. Um, but anyway, so how do you come up with the name Cola Boy? Um, I was just really into drinking soda. <laughs> yeah, that's your thing. And, well, uh, I, I apologize for drinking an iced tea in front no, of you. No, it's all good. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want any beef, bud. <laughs> no, like, uh, yeah, I drink. I was drinking a lot of soda, and I think I just had my Instagram name as Cola Boy. Okay. Um, and that was my Instagram name, just because that was just, I wasn't doing like I didn't have like a music career or nothing really. I was just like playing in bands and stuff, so it was just like my. My name on there, and then I was spending a lot of time in New York, in New York, yeah, because I have some friends out there. This guy Juan Waters, he's a musician out there. He's amazing. Uh, I was playing in his band, so I was spending a lot of time out there. And what was that? His name is he goes by Juan Waters. Oh, and you see, you're playing as a as like a back, like I play guitar in his band. Okay, uh, and we did some tours. I did like a European tour with him and like a U.S. tour, a couple U.S. tours. Um. There were some shows happening in New York that I jumped on, and it was like, "Oh, what are we gonna put my name as on the on the 
flyer. Yeah. And they were like, yo, you got to be Cola Boy. <laughs> him and my other homie, Matt Voles, they were like, yo, you're Cola Boy. And I was like, I don't know, like, because there's another band called Cola Boy as well. You okay. Know, from like the 90s who had like one EP. Okay. I was like, I don't know. There's already a band named Cola Boy. They're like, who gives a fuck? Like, well, just add a wife. Yeah, or- exactly. <laughs> They're like, and I, and I was like, I, I don't know. I think I'm just going to go by my real name, Matthew. Matthew Urango, just go by my full name. And they're like, that's whack. And they, like, without even my choice, they put my name as Cola Boy on the flyer. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> and then so I was like, all right, fuck it. And then from then on, like, they started introducing me to people as Cola Boy. And then it just became my uh, my name. Yeah. And how do, how do you hook up with uh, the European label and doing your first recordings like that? Um, I would say this might have been 2016, 2017, 2016, end of 2016. I was, uh, playing a show in LA at this, some DIY spot. I don't remember. And it was funny cause like I was there with some of my homies from Oxnard where it just posted up and, uh, I think a month prior to that. The record makers, which is a label I'm on, mm-hmm. followed me on Instagram, and I was like, "Oh, what the fuck is this like label?" Yeah. Checked them out. They have like Kavinsky, who's like a pretty known like electronic artist. He did like the music from Drive. Like he's really famous for mm-hmm. one of the songs from Drive, and like Sebastian Tellier is a really famous like French um, artist as well. Uh, I was like, "Oh, it seems like a cool label." And so I messaged them like when they added me. I was like, "Hey, what's up?" Like. uh you have a cool roster, like, maybe we could should do a record together. They didn't respond. They didn't say shit. And I was like, oh, whatever. Shot my shot, you know. Yeah. But at the time, I was really looking to find a label at that moment. In time, I was sending out emails to all kinds of record labels because I was in the mind space, like, I'm going to get on a label. I think I can do this. Yeah. So anyway, fast forward back to the month later. I'm at the show in L.A. And, like, my boss, I call him my boss. He's, like, the record label owner, right? He doesn't like when I call him my boss, but anyway. The record label uh, owner, Mark, um, him and Sebastian Tellier, who's super recognizable, they just walk up out of nowhere at my show in L.A. Mm-hmm. with this other guy, John Kirby, who's an amazing synth player, keyboard player. Uh, they walk up, and I'm like, what the fuck? Like, and Mark is like, hey, uh, Matthew, nice to meet you. I'm Mark. You know, like, uh, you know, I'm from the record makers, this label. And I'm like, oh, what's up? Yeah, you follow me on Instagram, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you never wrote me back, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> and then he was like, oh, yeah, we're, he's like, we're actually, we're here because uh, Sebastian's recording a record and uh, it just happens that we're staying right down the street from where you, the show, like, mm-hmm. he just happened to be like a 10 minute drive from like where, yeah. or actually not even a 10 minute drive, like walking distance from where I was playing. Sick. Just, and he was only there in LA for one week. Okay. Like, so it just happened to be perfect timing. Yeah. So he's like, I just wanted to come and check out your show. And I was like, cool. So I performed. There was literally 12 people at my show. Yeah. There was like nobody there. But I ripped a set and like solo, you know. And he was like, he was into it, you know. And then after the show, he's like, so we should do a record. Would you want to do a record? I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah. What the fuck? And um, he said, uh. He said, okay, what do you want, what do you see yourself doing with me, with your music? Like, do would you want to tour and do this? And then I'm like, yeah, I'm down, do all that. He's like, cool. He's like, all right, well, email me all your demos tomorrow. 
and uh, we'll start talking. I was like, all right. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. Hyped. But I said, I had like 40 demos at that point, like 40 songs. So I sent them all the next day. And mm-hmm. it was history from there. Yeah. And that's, that's something I'm like confused by. I don't understand how music works anymore. Like, because you don't have that much output. Like, how many songs are actually out there? It's like not enough, right? Like, you got, yeah, it's, there's like six songs I can find. Yeah, I have like the EP, which is five songs. Yeah, and I have all power of the people, which is six. Right, and I have like the other songs that are just collaborate or collaborations. Yeah, and then why is there no urgency for them to like do physical format when you put out like all power of the people? Like, can't they just put that out as a forty five? Like, why is it so <laughs> fucking hard? Yeah, I know. Maybe if they listen, maybe they'll listen to this and and decide to do it. That yeah. Way. I mean, like, you put out a song that's that dope, it's like, I want it. Yeah. And then, so, it's like, just put it on a 45. You can do, like, old school style, like, monotone stereo. Yeah. Or whatever, big whole cut. You don't even have to have, like, a cover. <laughs> that's true. But I just, I want something physical, and it's like, I don't know. It's just weird to put out, like, a song into the ether. But I guess that's just how it is now, right? Yeah, it's more, have- it's, because it, for that, it was more like, because uh, there was already a lot of time between the EP and that. Mm-hmm. And then between the EP and my album, there's a lot of time in between. Mm-hmm. So it just added, it's like having something in the middle that's like, to, to you know, get, get the people like, uh, get people's attention again, yeah. you know, just something to throw out there, you know, and like, uh, but yeah, maybe sometime we, I mean, there's always time to do a seven inch, you know, you never know. Yeah. I mean, like that, the song just needs to come out. It doesn't have to be attached to anything else. Yeah. yeah. So, hey. You got what is it, record makers? Yeah, you got to do it, dude. Or I'm gonna bootleg it. You got to bootleg it. You're gonna end up with Cola Boy on a Retaliate split. It's just gonna be dirty. Damn. <laughs> well, I just want it. That song fucking rips. Oh, thank you. You know, and then it's I don't know. It's like I like to listen to music on my record player at home. Yeah, yeah. That's like when I connect to it the most, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's psycho. Like that you want to have a physical format, like. My favorite records, I want to have them, and I want them to be forever. Yeah. And I want it to be mine. You know, like, not just listening to, a, like, a digital song. Yeah, yeah. A little weird. Mm. But that's a whole, like, thing now, right? Like, people can be famous off uploading stuff on SoundCloud. Yeah. And and have Never nothing have physical a, come out. Yeah. I mean, it seems like the majority of people just stream music. But there's definitely a big uh, demographic of people who buy vinyl. Yeah. Know? And you can do low runs. You know? Yeah. Do you know how many were pressed of of the, the LP? I'm not. I don't know. Maybe like a thousand. Yeah. Maybe less. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, I I uh, shot myself in the foot on that one because I think I I bought one record and I bought like four digital copies. Oh shit! <laughs> I've sent them to my friends, man. Uh-huh. I loved it. Like, cool. it's just Thank cool. You. Like, I'm rooting for rooting for the Nard, you know? Hell yeah! And then like, there's you get you have a lot of friends in your life that aren't into punk rock and stuff yeah you know so it's like fun when it's like something that they can like yeah, yeah. you know it's like this is sick um yeah it makes me happy that like people with all the different music tastes like vibe with my music uh makes me happy like the punks and stuff too that i that i that i still know you know they're they're super supportive some of them don't some of them don't like them one of them like one of my homies is like you know i don't really like that shit but like I still support you, like, props. Yeah. Which is, like, I respect the honesty, and it's, like, really funny to me. Like, I'm like, that's cool. But most people, yeah, they're, like, uh, super supportive and into it, so it makes me happy. Yeah, I brought my friend when we went and saw you, uh, Paolo, to your show, because, like, you, you, you were playing the same night as Agnostic Front. 
Okay. And so I remember you told me that. Yeah, but Agnostic Front like is playing like later bar shows. Okay. So I was like, oh, sick, we can go to both. And Paola brought me to see Mana. Oh, and so cool. I went and saw Mana, it was fun. And I was like, I gotta get you back. So we'll go to Cola Boy, then we'll go to Agnostic Front. It was like, that was such a fun, like, <laughs> two different worlds. Switch. Yeah, yeah. That's dope. And that's like three different worlds if you wanna like add in like me going to Mana. You that's know? true. So. And I don't know if you stayed for uh, after I played Devenger Banhart. No, we had to go to CAF. He's very like soft music, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, that's even, that's like super. That itself is super different than my music, even you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's more down tempo. Yeah, like acoustic yeah. kind of. Yeah. No, I googled it because I was like, "That's gonna be some shit." You have to make sure that he's not gonna be my next fa- like my next favorite musician. Yeah. And I'd be like, "Oh, I was actually at a show and didn't watch him." Yeah. You know, no. so I had to listen to a couple tracks and be like, "I don't think I'll ever fall in love with this." <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it was okay, even though I I like that kind of music, mm-hmm. but but anyway. So what's coming next, dude? You can do a full length. Yeah, working on that right now. It's close to being done. What is your songwriting process? Well, hmm. See, right now I'm trying to get back into being more disciplined and like sitting down in my room and really like working on my music like like I used to, you know. I used to spend days and days and days just like writing and recording and stuff. So I'm trying to get back into that. But my process is basically like I have a piano now, mm-hmm. so I, I do a lot of writing on my piano. Okay. So I just sit at the piano, you and know. play kinda, and sing, hum? Yeah, just like, more like, sing like, nonsense melodies, you mm-hmm. know, like, uh, or even just like, ad-lib words that, you know, like, uh, off the top of my head, and playing different chords and different stuff, and uh, yeah, I just come up with shit like that. I used to kind of, sometimes I'll do it that way, or I'll do it like, if I'm at my laptop. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll like come up with I'll just like set the tempo or whatever come up with some stuff on the synth I don't really write with guitar much anymore mostly synth and piano mm-hmm. and like add drums you know I used to start with drums but now I don't do that much anymore but yeah writing a song coming up with a demo uh, sending it to my label yeah and they're like yeah or nah they're like this is dope or this is like you could do a little more work. They always like my stuff, but it's yeah. always like, it's either like, this is really good. Let's like move into like really working on the song mm-hmm. or let's uh, work on it some more or like, you know, kind of things. So if they like something, then what filter does the song get put through? Well, if they, I mean. Is it just getting put into a bucket that it's like, okay, now we're going to do this in a pro studio later? Or Yeah, or, kind of. No, uh-huh. I mean. It's kind of like, no, at this point, it's kind of like a forever, like ongoing process of like being in a, like writing when I'm home and then like, or if I'm in Paris, so the label's in Paris. Mm-hmm. If I'm in Paris too, I'll bring my laptop and the little interface and like record where I'm staying, you know? So like just recording demos. They want me to be recording like songs, demos perpetually, like mm-hmm. consistently. And then, yeah, they, they like it. It's like, oh yeah, maybe you should work. Will be like they'll have an idea like oh there's a produce this producer like let's maybe you could work with this person to work on the song mm-hmm. and then I'll be like eh, or I'll be like yeah I'm down and yeah. then like they'll coordinate like me doing that you know yeah usually the process these days we gotta get you with DJ Premier that'd be pretty dope yeah of course yeah <laughs> yeah I'm really like uh, this record new record I'm doing there's like a bunch of guest producers on it like Same. a bunch. And it's going to be fucking cool. I think it's, 
I think it's a cool record. Yeah. It's very eclectic too. Nice. Yeah. Like the EP is kind of eclectic, would you say? I think so. Yeah. But it's 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 not long enough to take someone on a journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's more like here's different types of bangers. Yeah. You know, where like if you LP take people on a journey. Yeah. You know, then the sequencing matters more. Okay. Yeah, and, okay. and all that. So Yeah, right now I'm working on some uh some sk- doing some skits. Okay. For it. Don't you know? go too skit heavy, dude. No, uh, not 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 like some power bounce type shit. You know? <laughs> they have too many skits, but like like an intro and an outro type. Sure, shit, you know, sure. Just to kind of like give some personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it, uh, but the songs, all the songs from the record. I mean, I wrote them in some in like within the last five. It's like a span of five years of like different songs, you know. Yeah. So like, it's funny because. And I've been recording the record for like two years, mm-hmm. almost two years. And uh, it's funny because some of the lyrics is like, damn, I would not, this is not even how I think anymore. Like, oh, like some of this stuff, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I need to change that lyric up because that is not how I feel anymore, you know? Yeah. Like life, it's crazy when you write something, a song that really encapsulates like this idea you had or this like feeling you had at one point. And it really puts into perspective like, how things change and how you grow, you know, as time goes on, even. Yeah, that is interesting. Like, because do, do you think that you'll change the lines or do you want to, do you want to just like basically have that song be like, that was a stamp of time when it was written and that needs to be preserved? Yeah. I mean, certain points, there's nothing I can do. I have to let it go. Well, yeah. If it's, if it's already submitted, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's fine. I understand. It's like, yeah, it's a point in time, you know, like all power to the people, uh, there's some things I say in that song that are like uh, I I don't agree with now. And not that I don't agree with. It's just that yeah, I just uh, have my views, my political views have progressed since then. So so like what? Well, mainly like the phrase "all power of the people" in itself. It's too vague. It doesn't. It isn't like because like people is like who are the people? I mean like that's not the world doesn't work with just people. It's like there's working class and there's like bourgeoisie, you know. Like, it's not, so, like, saying all power of the people, I don't mean, like, all power to, like, all people. Like, it needs to be more, it's too vague, I guess. Well, I don't know. Isn't it, it's implied that when you say the people, it's, like, the majority. The, like, it's, and which is generally also implied that it's, like, the oppressed masses. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? You, you, you would hope, I would, I would hope so. I think the working class do understand that, but I also think that, like, uh. Maybe even like bourgeois, bourgeois, or even like couldn't like would sing along to it, not realizing like motherfucker, I ain't talking about you, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So that's something that I, I always want to be like pretty uh, paint as much a detailed a picture as I can. I guess that's just what I'm learning because I've already seen like with my music and lyrics, or inter not just maybe sometimes interviews even or like. I, I've gotten like misinterpreted, you know. So, mm-hmm. just learning how to not get misinterpreted. You gotta keep the hook, dude. The, the hook is ill. You can just paint the picture more on the verses. That's yeah, why you yeah, gotta yeah, get specific, yeah. right? Yeah. No, yeah. All probably. Yeah, you bougie fine. motherfuckers. Yeah. I ain't talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess. Like, I think. Well, that song, it's fine. It's already passed. But like, as far as things go, yeah. I mean, everybody. Pro- we're all progressing and learning as we as we get older, you know. So. No, it's it's hard looking back on lyrics. I mean, 
Um, Stu, who does the pod with me sometimes, he's putting out a, a comp of all the narco stuff from the 90s. Uh-huh. And I got a few bands on there, and it's funny. Because, like, so I was in this band called Against the Odds, like, in uh, 96. Uh-huh. And I have a lyric that goes, a thousand people die on a jet. And it's like... What does that mean? Well, there's too many. There's too many fucking people. You can't fit that many on a That's jet. That's true. Huh? <laughs> it's like because the lines all a thousand people die on a jet, but marijuana hasn't killed one person yet. Wow. <laughs> it's like it's like so there's no thousand people on a jet. There. Yeah, but it's just like getting something that wrong. Like a was a jet of sixteen, and it's like it's, okay. it's pre sixteen. I know, but it's pre internet, so it's yeah. like I don't know how many people are on a fucking jet. <laughs> Isn't it technically a jet? Like a real jet is like. Two people, no? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, but I was just thinking, like, like, a, like how many people are on a yeah. 747? Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I still couldn't tell you. Yeah, it was probably, like, either. 300 or, yeah, or 500. So. I have some songs that talk about, like, planes and stuff, too. Like, jet planes and shit. Like, I love using that word, jet plane. Yeah, dude. Shout out John Denver. You know? John, he has a song. Yeah, I'm leaving on a jet plane. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Don't yeah. know when I'll be back again. And then he fucking died in an airplane accident. Holy shit. Yeah. You know, I fucking hate airplanes, man. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a super fan, but they do get you there. They do. They, they <laughs> you want to go by boat? They go. You like, want to go by boat? Go. Everybody's getting fucking coronavirus on that fucking boats and shit. Like, no shit, dude. I'll pass on that. Yeah. Like, uh... Yeah, I hate airplanes. I hate, like... Like, I'm getting used to an 11-hour flight to Paris. Like, yeah. I go, like, four times a year. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting used to it, finally. Like, 11 hours now seems more like six or seven. Yeah. It feels like that now. Yeah. yeah. I went to India once, and I think it was a 14-hour flight from New Jersey. That was Burley. Fuck that. So you're already six hours in New Jersey, and then another 14 Oh, what the f- so yeah, 20 hours? It's brutal. Yeah. Oh, hell no. Yeah. That's why I'm I'm dreading going to Australia. Yeah. Like, I hear like I mean, I don't have plans to go yet, but I imagine at some point I'll go. And I hear the flight there is like 24 hours or some bullshit like that. Yeah, but it's fuck treat that. yourself and stop in Hawaii on the way. <laughs> you know. I've never been to Hawaii before actually. Yeah, so you should do Hawaii and then you do Australia and then you do New Zealand and you kind of enjoy yourself have out there. Have some stop offs. Yeah, like, go to Tahiti. You know, dude. I I just speaking of Tahiti. I just the plane I took on the way back this last time was Tahiti Air. Oh, the the plane I took to Paris was Tahiti Air. Uh-huh. And uh, you know the food is pretty bomb. I really hate airplane food. Mm-hmm. It all smells the same. It all has this exact like well, it's hospital, in the same bag. Hospital food smell. Yeah, it's fucked up. But like the food was decent. But the thing that I felt was so fucked up. So you know they have the in flight movies. You know sure. They, like three, okay. They had, they had one like a bunch of documentaries on Tahiti, which was basically about like resort tourism and shit, and it was fucked up because it's like obviously Tahiti was like colonized as shit. Yeah. But then the two movie, one of the two of the classic movies they had was this movie called Fuck, what's it called? It's with like Anthony Hopkins and like uh, Mel Gibson, and it's basically like these British like sailors like go on a. Go on an excavation, uh, exploration mm-hmm. on a ship to like Tahiti. <laughs> it's like they basically like it's like crazy fucked up. Like and the way the Tahitians are portrayed is like fucking. I mean, actually, I don't know how accurate it was. I'm pretty sure it was a dramatization and really fucked up. But it's like, why would you have this like colonial ass movie like on a Tahitian flight? Like it's so weird to me. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was weird. Yeah. 
It was a they had two versions of the same movie. What? They had that Anthony Hopkins version, and then they had the one from like the fifties with Marlon Brando. Jesus, I'm not gonna lie. I watched the Anthony Hopkins one because I just couldn't stop watching. And I was like, this movie is fucking insane. It was that bad. It was like, like what they put in, like a bone through their nose, like they no they cannibals and shit. They no, they made them come out. They treated they they basically made like Tahitian natives out to be like just like sexual as like hypersexual like. All the women were just like fawning over the, like the what, the British dudes and like 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 they were all like it was just like sexualizing them all crazy tough. It was just weird, but maybe the teaching women like to fuck. I don't Respect. know. <laughs> I actually have no idea about that that culture, so maybe it was accurate, but I don't think I have a feeling it was not. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot, eleven hours on a flight. You have a lot of time to watch. I watch like. Five movies every time I, I can't sleep on the plane. Yeah. So I have to. I just watch movies. I watch like five movies a flight. You don't want to take a pill? I tried. I've done like. Uh, I did like what is it like melatonin? Yeah, but that's like that's like uh, weak shit, right? Yeah, that's like a vitamin. Okay. But that did work for me once. I had a buddy tell me I I had a bad breakup and I I asked him I was like I'm having trouble sleeping and he's like I just take a melatonin thirty minutes before bed every night. And I did that, and it helped. But I think it's like that's natural. I'm talking about take a like a you can get like an over the counter, like a like a or yeah. a prescribed one that'll like what knock it, you out for like eight hours, like Vicodin or something. Well, I think that's a painkiller. I don't okay. know some some sort of like, but a, a Vicodin level like sleeping pill. You know, I just like worry I wouldn't wake like up. Codeine or something. Maybe it's something like that. I've done it before, and honestly, none of that shit ever worked for me. Yeah. Like obviously, if I took, I've taken pills in the past, like recreationally for fun, and that shit fucks me up. But like on the plane, I I just couldn't sleep. I think it has to do with like, cause I have bad breathing, mm-hmm. I have breathing problems. So like, it also it becomes harder for me to breathe when I'm in the in the air. So I think that like it's a weird recycled air. Yeah, yeah, it must be, and like it, it contributes to like I think that's what partially contributes to me not being able to sleep, but. I used to just get fucked up on the plane, like drink mad, like booze. Yeah, that's the move. Yeah, but I stopped drinking, so like, so now I just like I'm fucked. I just like yeah. stay up and watch like five, five movies, which is like two of them are really good and three of them are just fucking complete garbage. You yeah, know? you can watch on your laptop though, right? So you can like curate the movie. You don't gotta I've end up watching. Once, yeah, you don't gotta end up watching two versions of the same Tahitian movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I uh, one time I did that. I watched, I, I downloaded a few movies, like Buffalo 66 is a mm-hmm. Vincent Gallo movie I, I like. I watched that, and then like Rush Hour 2, which is like, you know Rush Very Hour Very easy to watch. Yeah, that's like, yeah. honestly, I, I've always said this, like, that's my favorite movie is Rush Hour 2. Like, I mean, despite the fact that it's a cop movie and I'm not a fan of cops, like, uh, I love Chris Tucker, you know? And yeah. Jackie Chan is the shit. Yeah. Like, so. Well, well my favorite TV show of all times, NYPD Blue. It's a cop show. I've never seen that. Yeah, I know of it. It's but dated. I, it's okay. like it's because it's like nineteen ninety to ninety eight or some shit. Just New York fake precinct. Okay, you know. You know what's the shit is the Wire. Have you ever seen the Wire? Yeah, the Wire is brilliant. I mean, that might be one of the best shows ever. Yeah, you know, NYPD Blue is a little more of a a normal show. Uh-huh. Just but, something you just pop on the TV. Yeah, I mean, it still has, like, a little bit of an overarching, but, like, you can watch an episode and, and be satisfied. But I miss, like, real people being, like, actors. Like, Andy Sipowitz, the main character, I'll show you a photo, and, like, 
he's not a handsome man by any stretch. And uh-huh. now it's like every t- television show, everyone looks fucking perfect. Uh-huh. It's weird. Yeah. And it's like unbelievable. Yeah. So. I, I think I, I think I read something. Somebody told me something the other day about like, there's like this ideal, maybe this is a little off topic, but there's like an ideal look. Okay. That's like right now of beauty that's seen. And it's a combination of like various features from different, like, uh, different, like, nationalities you know and that's what like celebrity a lot of like celebrity women specifically are like some not a lot but some of them are like uh going for with like i don't know maybe maybe it's outrageous but it's like it's like the eyes of like uh like uh like i don't remember it was like the eyes of something the lips of like a a black of black people yeah so we're gonna mr potato head each other yeah like basically like in like the nose of like uh it was like some some country in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And it was like some whole like uh, thing, and like I guess the Kardashians are like, oh, that's what they're going for. It's the big thing, you know. They're trying to get like a, you know, like all these different features, you know, of different nationalities. So, well, that's Andy Sipowitz. Oh, that guy's fucking yeah. yeah he's he's not a traditionally handsome man. You know, he looks but a great actor, and that's so much better. Wasn't he? Didn't he dress up like a baby? At one point, and like think so. there was like a dancing baby thing, and like you remember the dancing baby back in the nineties, right? The no. virtual like picture of like a baby that was like dancing. Oh yes, yes, yes. I remember. It's I don't think he actually dressed up as it, but I think somebody like must have put his photoshopped head him or something on it, and it was like a, a an old viral yeah thing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's pretty funny, but. Yeah, beauty standards on TV are fucking weird. But at the same time, nowadays, it's this whole, this, like, woke, the woke culture now, uh, there's all this talk about, like, representation, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, we're actually seeing a lot of, like, uh, not convention, not the conventional, like, looking people on, on TV and shit, you know? And, uh, you know, people try to use me in that, for that, not on TV, obviously, but, like, and like medias and stuff as like because I'm disabled, you know. And like, okay. But honestly, I think all that representation shit is fucking bullshit. You think so? I mean, yeah. It. I I can't imagine because you know I'm white, so I've watched white people on TV my whole yeah. life. So I can't imagine what it would be like to watch to have never seen a white person on TV, and then like get to see one. I guess for me to put into more context, I guess rather than just saying it's bullshit. It's more like, okay, so what if there's a disabled person on the TV? So what if, like, a disabled person wins, like, a fucking Academy Award? Like, uh, yeah, well, that doesn't do anything for, like, the mass majority of disabled people in the world who are dealing with fucked up, like, uh, experiences. Or, like, same with, like, black people. Like, the majority of black people in America are dealing with, with uh, horrible conditions and oppression, you know? Like, just because there's, like, celebra- some black celebrities or, like, uh, black bourgeoisie doesn't mean shit. Like, that don't mean shit for, like, all these people, you know? So that's why, for me, it's, like, people paint this as progressive and progression. But, like, until the conditions in real life, like, for the, for the masses change, that's what matters to me. Not, like, me being on TV or some shit, you know? Sure. That's just how I see it. No, I, I, would, I would agree with that for sure. Especially, like, award stuff. You want to be merit-based. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know, like, and ultimately, like, a lot of the, I don't know. It's actually a long, it's it's a big uh, it's a big subject to actually go into though. But I would say yeah, like uh, 
in for in seeing like media and seeing like uh, the lack of representation, quote unquote, of certain people. Um, people think that like, oh, okay, well then we'll have representation on the TV, and that's like the fix, or like, but like, it's not getting to the root of the issue. You know, the root of the issue is like, uh, is like uh, white supremacy or racism. You know, I, I think. Uh, but at the basis of that, it's capitalism, which, like, uh, uses, like, race to divide, like, the working class, you know? And, like, uh, so instead of, like, I think people have the tendency to want to shave off the problems that are at the top, which are the mo- the easiest things to, like, make quick fixes to. Mm-hmm. But at the root of the problem is the real basis of the problem is what people are not, like, really looking at, you know? I think that, like... We're, we're from such a multicultural area that it's hard for us to understand, like, like there's spots in the country where they do need to be softened to certain things by just seeing it and having it be normalized. So, like, I think a lot about, uh, like, how, I mean, everyone here in Southern California is pretty cool with everyone being gay now, right? Like, there's yeah. no, I don't know, I don't feel like homophobia is an issue like it was. I mean, I'm sure it still exists. It it's it's still a lot exists. better. Let's say it's it's a lot lot better, right? And and I think that that's like a lot of softening of like generationally, you know, us seeing it on television and and so forth that it gets like normalized. Even if you don't know anyone in your real life, you see like these are normal people, mm-hmm. right? They're normal people like yeah. anyone, and so there's no like stigma against them, yeah. you know. And like and that's generations of like. You know, watching the real world or whatever on MTV, and uh-huh. and it's twenty years later, and it's like now everyone is a little more woke to the stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, but I think, I mean, I guess I, I'd also say we have to look at the statistics too, like which I'm not quite sure the statistics of like, like uh, violence against like uh, you know. Queer people or hom- or homosexuals. If it's like, gone up or down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't say that, like, because I wouldn't say that representation of, like, a certain group of people would actually, like, decrease the amount of violence put on them, you know? Like, like, uh, like, yeah, there's, like, more black people than ever, uh, that are, like, mad famous and, like, uh, you know, or rich as fuck, like, or on TV and the movies and shit, but, like, that's not, that isn't, uh, that doesn't reflect the amount of like violence against like the black nation in the United States that's going on against like the black nation from like the police or the state, you know, like they don't reflect one another, you know. So I think like representation is dangerous because like the representation like politics of it is sure. dangerous because like again, like I said, it's very like uh it's like virtuous. It's more like virtue rather than material like transformation, mm-hmm. you know. And, uh, yeah, so I think, yeah, ultimately, you know, I could go on to this and then let's play I just it. I just think about people in the middle of the country or, uh-huh. or in, in areas where, like, there isn't a lot of diversity. And and just, like, so a lot of these places are, like, where it's more conservative. Yeah. Right? And, like, they have real boogeymen. Yeah. You can scare these people by saying, they're coming across the border. Yeah, There's yeah. hordes of immigrants coming yeah. across the border. And it's like... I live in San Diego. It's not happening. Yeah. You know, like people come through like the, the legal points of entry. That's where everything comes in. Mm -hmm. That's why there's like cartel wars Uh for like winning like the, the plazas. Right. 
You know, like it's not dudes coming through the desert. Not, not like I don't know. There's nothing to be scared of. Yeah. You know. And I mean, like ultimately, like to me, there's nothing. I have no problem with people like. Uh, I mean, like I have no problems with people who live here who are undocumented at all. Like uh, the reason that people come from Mexico to the United States is because like. The U.S. like fucking instituted NAFTA in the '90s and like destabilized the country and like the economy and like forced people to migrate here. So it's like the U.S. does all these fucked up things in other countries. Then when the repercussions are that people are fleeing their country because of inst- uh, instability, like, and they come to the U.S. like, then the U.S. government's like, what the fuck? Or like conservatives are uh, incorrectly they're incorrectly like blaming like uh, the masses are like undocumented people. You know, it's like. Dude, like, the government itself, the state, like, they caused this shit to happen, you know? Like, you think people want to, like, risk their lives to, like, to, like, uh, if they had a choice between risking their lives to coming to, to some, to another, going to another country or having a stabilized, like, staying in their country and it being stabilized and then being able to, like, work and live and survive. Yeah, like, who wants to leave their family exactly. to go somewhere foreign? Yeah. They want to, they want to be with their family exactly. in a place they know. Yeah. You know, but it, that's all kabuki theater anyway. Because if they were serious about cracking down on the stuff, they would go after the businesses. That's the only way. You know, what do you mean? is to go at the businesses that are hiring people. They don't want to fuck with that part, though. Oh yeah, I mean, of course they they don't want to fuck with the they don't want to fuck with the, with the farming uh, industries. Like, and you know, in Oxnard, the agriculture industry is like uh, it makes. I think it makes billions. Uh, the Ventura County makes billions a year. Yeah, or hospitality. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, all of it. They could go. I mean, if because they were, they're, they're down to exploit people, but when it comes to scapegoating them for uh, their political reasons, they'll do it. Yes. You know. Yeah. And to win over one half of the country. Yes. You know, and it's ultimately that's the hard part is that like there are so many of the of the masses in this country of people who are like having these incorrect ideas and like uh, are ignorance ignorant views. And ultimately, like, these aren't things that they were born thinking. Like, these are pushed to them, you know, by not just their peers, but by, like, uh, this, these politicians who, like, peddle this shit, you know? And it's just it's super frustrating. But also, like, again, it goes back to the, instead of, like, looking at the f- top and just saying, oh, these people are conservative and, like, uh, fuck these foods. Like, yeah, like, they're mad, they can be mad racist and shit. Like, fuck that. But, like, get to the root of what it is that's causing them to, like, a lot of these people... Like, a lot of these people, like, working class people who are, like, Trump supporters, they're upset about not having work, not having job, not having work, uh, you know, housing, things like that. A lot of the things that, like, people that are considered themselves, like, Democrats or liberals or whatever, uh, they talk about as well, you know. But then the thing is that both parties blame different things for something that they both condone. They both condone, like... U.S. imperialism and capitalism, like, uh, they just pit the masses against each other, you know? So it's just figuring out how to, how to, for me, it's like, how can we, uh, what's the word, readjust mm-hmm. the people's, like, anger from, at each other and readjust it towards being angry at, you know, who's at the top. Yeah. And the way is by writing some dope-ass hooks, dude. It's part of it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got you to gotta bring him in first. Yeah, yeah, of course. got to bring him in. So, um, do you have anything else you want to get into? Um, I don't know. 
Oh, I, you know, oh, I want to say, uh, you know, I was going to, you know, it's funny because I was just thinking about the punk and the hardcore scene growing up. You know, I have a twin brother. Mm-hmm. And like, uh, you know, we both started in the punk scene, but then he got more into the hardcore scene and I kind of stayed around the punk scene more, but I would go to hardcore shows. It's funny because the mostly the, the, the main bands that I always liked, even though I was like a punk, and I think I've seen this as like uh, pretty common, is like in control, mm-hmm. is like universally like loved and respected by punks and hardcore kids. Mm-hmm. And then like uh, Retaliate too as well. Like a lot of punks like, Fuck with retaliate like heavy, and then Vendetta for me was like you know and uh, Andrew's band Vendetta yeah was like that was one of the first like hardcore bands that I was like when I was like seventeen I saw them play I was like damn this shit's the shit like yeah the fuck they cared about the craft yeah you know and Vendetta and Retaliate like the same band basically same members right? yeah but you you didn't play in Vendetta did you no because yeah. like we uh basically. Retaliate, I started as like a side project uh-huh. outside in control, and I just wanted to do one show. And then we started playing, and they really enjoyed it. And I was like, I have to go do like my full time band. Uh-huh. And so Retaliate did like a, I don't know, I think we were around in the year 2002 and 2003. Uh-huh. And then we didn't do anything for a few years, and that's when they started Vendetta because oh, okay. they wanted to keep playing. So it was like Retaliate without me. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize Retaliate has been around that long. Yeah. 2002 is our demo. Shit. And first LP, 06. So, Damn. Yeah. Fourth LP this year. That's so, crazy. That's yeah. fucking awesome. Yeah, man. I remember seeing you guys play. I think first time I saw you play, where was it? It might have been Sound and Fury, 2009. Yeah. Was that Santa Barbara or Ventura? In Oxnard. At the oh, Olympics. that's the best one. Yeah. yeah, Skate Palace. Yeah. Hell yeah. At that show. Yeah, that's so fun. That's the last time I can remember. Maybe I saw you before and I just didn't yeah. realize it when I was younger, but that was the last time I remember. And I think I brought a boogie board to that show. Nice. Yeah. I like, think I remember that. Yeah. yeah and was... like was boogie boarding into the crowd and like all kinds of people were boogie boarding. And then I saw you guys, after that I saw you guys. I think you guys opened up for Instead. Oh, yeah. At like Mega Rocks. That Mega was a Sound weird little like one-off show. Huh? There was like 20 people there yeah. or something. Yeah, that was really weird. And that was like... Yeah, I want to say that was like kind of a stacked build too. It was like instead on like a reunion tour, and then I want to say like Betrayed played, and then I us. Have no idea. I don't remember. Yeah. So Betrayed is like one of Todd Jones's band plus okay. plus like Aram from uh, the band Champion uh-huh. from uh, Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I've heard. That so name. they like they were a pretty successful band too, and uh-huh. yeah, that show was fucking weird. It's like yeah, probably like 35, 40 people. Yeah. Yeah, in a small ass room. Too. In a weird little room, like that, I never saw a show there before. Or after, yeah, that was cool. I, I had a fun time at that show, and then like, yeah, maybe I do remember Betrayed played. I mean, well, I remember Aram was there, and there's no reason he would have been there if Betrayed didn't play. <laughs> was Todd Jones there? Well, he had to have been if he played. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember seeing it because I I didn't meet Todd Jones till like I was in El Mariachi. You know. Okay. Uh, because he was close, he knew Nick Omer, you mm-hmm. know. Rest in peace to Nick Omer. R.I.P. Nick. Um, and so he, when he heard our band, he was like, Todd Jones was all about it. He was like, You guys are the shit. Like, I fuck <laughs> with you. Like, he was super supportive. And like, uh, I think I didn't meet him. I don't remember where I, when I met him, but yeah, it wasn't El Mariachi. But yeah, I remember seeing Retaliate a few 
few times and being like, and my brother specifically, he was really, he's the one who showed me you guys, I think, and he yeah. was like super about it. And then like Vendetta, I seen Vendetta probably when I was like sixteen or seventeen. Yeah. At like Mice Cafe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Where's that? That on Boulevard. It was on uh, in Ventura. Okay. Uh, next to like the ninety nine cent store. Okay, word. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I have no anymore. idea. I can't. Oh. And there was like poles in the coming out of the ground. It like. sounds so familiar. I can't, dude. It's you know, I I read this thing recently, and I don't know if it's fucking total bullshit or not, but it was like a person with average intelligence can only like remember like one hundred twenty people. Uh-huh. So that means what the like, fuck? yeah. Well, okay, it's not like historical figures. Uh-huh. Like you know George Washington, uh-huh. right? No, I'm talking about like I know you. I can. I know your name. Uh-huh. I know your face, and I can say something about you. You know, like yeah, it's like a really low amount, like 120. Well, maybe 120 is a lot if you wrote them all out. It's a lot of fucking people. Damn, I kind of want to try that. I know because I was thinking about it. And I was like, because weird memories like have disappeared from my brain, uh-huh. like that. Like oh yeah, I remember my cafe, but I have no fucking idea where it was. You know what I mean? And it's like it totally got replaced by some other thing that I now know. You know, I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't think that our memories are like infinite that we can yeah. keep adding. It's like it's actually a fucking basket yeah. where it's like overflowing every yeah. time, you know? Yeah, you're you're right, because there's things I'm trying to remember, like, you know, like was my first show that the Oxford High School or was it at like the underground? Yeah. Or was it at delivery? Like certain things become blurry, like who played what and who was there? And also, like, I think about uh, this. There's someone I know, and uh, they kind of had a fucked up life. And when you talk to him, his, like, memory about, like, elementary school is pretty vivid. And so it's like he never was able to, like, push out all those old memories with, like, new memories, right? If you were, like, Shit. you know what I mean? Like, if yeah, you kind of yeah. had a fucked up life later and yeah. nothing really happened or you were, like, institutionalized or whatever and, like... So, yeah, he remembers all the stuff. Like, remember in fifth grade when this happened? This happened? Like, no fucking way, dude. Like, that memory got, like, wiped out, like, the first time, like, I kissed a girl. Uh-huh. You know? Like. <laughs> Everything else is gone. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's fucking done, dude. You know? So, yeah, I think the memory stuff is fucking weird. But, yeah. Dude, hardcore rules. Punk rock rules. That's yeah. why it's, it's, it's fun when people cross over a little bit. I agree. So. It's, it's, you can never take the roots away. In fact, it, it probably does have, like, I don't know if this is conscious to you or not, but I think it does have something to do with, like, your writing style that, like, there's no real fluff on your music. You know, it's it's pretty immediate, to the point, nice hooks, mm-hmm. not a lot of bullshit. No super, like, long intros and long outros. It's like, yeah. let's just fucking rip it, Yeah, it's- you know, in another style. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, it is kind of similar to the yeah. punk thing. I I agree. Uh, I didn't really think about it that way. Well, it's just because it's in you. Yeah, maybe so. Huh? You know, like I I mean, I can't write a fluffy song. <laughs> you know, with a nice like let's shoegazy intro. Uh, and, uh, and I really don't like shoegaze music. <laughs> I I used to like it a lot, but I can't listen. It's too yeah, it's too fluffy, too like drawn out. I'm too impatient. I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I. Respect everything, right? But yeah, but whatever. But yeah, dude. So, uh, do you feel like you've been well represented? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope so. You know, I hope so. 
Yeah. Well, if you listen and you you hate it, we can always do a part two. Okay. So I'm around. I'm not hard to find, like yeah. Lil Boozy, you know? <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, of course.